Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. If you're joining us online, I want to welcome you. In fact, uh, those in the Net Pacific Center, throw your hands together today. Welcome our online church family. Come on. We love you. We're really glad that you're along for the ride, however you're joining us today. Very excited, starting a new series, talking about the Holy Spirit today. So get ready to buckle up, buttercup. We're going deep. Somebody's like, Pastor, take it deep. Guess what? We're going to the deep end of the pool today. It's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> there's so much to talk about, about the Holy Spirit. Um, you really need more than two Sundays, but I'm going to do the best that I can. Uh, but before we jump into the message on the Holy Spirit, I want to remind us of a couple things. Number one, today is child dedication, everybody. Many of you have come ready to celebrate that, and the way we do that here at One Life, we actually do that immediately following this service, and so once this service is over, for those who have registered and the families that are in the room today, they're ready to celebrate that. We will do that 15 minutes after the service, and we'll come down here and join in the front. If you do have a child and you did not register your child, we, you, you can still dedicate your child today. I would encourage you, go to our website though, olc.church, and click on the button that looks just like that, and then it's got some information on there that will kind of answer some questions that you may have in regards to child dedication, and it'll help answer a question if you think it's time and that you're in the season to dedicate your child. But either way, we're here to serve you. Very excited about that. Very excited also about small groups. Everybody say small groups. Small groups aren't something we do, it is who we are, and if you've been a part of our church for any length of time, you will know that this is the heartbeat of One Life Church. It is community, it is family, it is belonging, and my friends, you belong here. So small groups, they're going to kick off. We're kicking off our summer semester of small groups on June the 12th, all right? It is a short five-week semester in June that leads up to a day I'll tell you more about called Serve Day, but the reason I mention small groups now is It's because many of you, you attended small groups. Some of you have questions about small groups. And we have a class designed to answer every question that you might have about small groups, as well as helping you discover whether or not this is the time and season for you to take a next step of faith and to lead a small group. Because some of you guys, you had so much fun on this last semester. You're like, man, I could do this. I could like get a bowl, you know, of Doritos and Oreo cookies and throw something on the TV. Let's get together, hang out, have a good time. And Listen, if you can do that, you can lead a small group. It's that easy. And we can show you how to love people and teach people about Jesus through it. And so if you've come and you want to experience small group leadership training, it's happening today, immediately following this service in our Discover Room. Our Discover Room, if you go out these doors, my right, your left, long hallway, you'll see a sign that says Discover. This is where leadership training is happening. Now, you'll notice there's two dates. There's today and next Sunday. You don't have to go to both. You just need to go to one. It's about a 45-minute class. It's a lot of fun. And as much as we would love to see you walk out of this class leading a small group in the summer, really that's not the goal. The goal is really just to get to know you, do some life with you, build some relationship, and you walk out with a new best friend. Amen. Where are all my small group leaders at in small groups? Come on. You excited about small groups coming up in the summer, everybody? All right, I got three people. All right, see, we love small groups. Come on, small group leaders, where you at? You're looking forward to summer small groups? 
Yes. All right. There we go. All right, you guys. Well, I'm very excited to bring this message to you today. If you've been a part of our church, uh, you know I like to preach, but you know I also like to teach. And today is going to be teaching. I'm going to the deep end of the pool talking about the Holy Spirit. If there's ever a message that you need to download the message notes, it's today. Okay? So I want to encourage you, text OLC notes to 94,000. Text OLC notes to 94,000, and you'll get those notes loaded directly to your phone. Follow along. Fill in the blank. You can save it as a PDF. You can reference it later. In fact, this is a teaching because for the first time in OLC history, I'm sitting on a stool, everybody, okay? So we're going to see how this works. Y'all know I like to, like to stand, but I'm trying to take more of a teacher position today because what I really want to do more than anything is I just simply want to introduce you to someone who has the power to help you live in freedom every day. We have a mission statement here. Is we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose and to make a difference. And the reason that is our mission statement, because if you look all through Scripture from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation, you see these four things happening. You see people coming to know God in a relationship with God. Not religion, but a relationship. And that's our, that's our greatest desire, is to see you come to know God. And then in that knowing God, we begin a process of finding freedom. Now, the way we help people discover freedom in a very practical way here at One Life is through small groups. It's through community. And I've preached message after message on the importance of community and how that does play a role in the healing that God wants to do in your heart. But I also talk about how it's important that we discover our purpose because, you know, there's two great days in our life. There's the day that you were born. Thank God for that. And then really the greatest day is when you discover why you were put on this planet. Because we were put on this planet on purpose for a purpose And that purpose was to make a difference with our life and to make a difference for the kingdom of God because truly that's where the fulfillment comes. But, and so when it comes to making a difference, here's the thing, a lot of us try to do it in our own strength and we end up getting burnt out, tired, worn out, exhausted because let me tell you, God never intended for you to ever find freedom and go through this process of understanding your gifts and living this thing out in your own strength. He always wanted to empower you. And he never meant for you to do it alone. He always wanted to bring somebody alongside you to do it. But oftentimes in church, especially now in the westernized church, we don't hear a lot about the person who actually comes alongside you. It empowers you to live in freedom. And so what I'm attempting to do today and then over the next 45 minutes is to introduce you to my best friend, my best friend, the Holy Spirit, And it's an important topic and because, you know, a lot of times when people hear about the Holy Spirit, they just haven't heard enough of him. Now, like God the Father, we get God the Father, right? Because, you know, most of us, whether good or bad, we've had fathers in our life. We've seen the Father figure modeled in some way, shape, or form. And so we can kind of grasp the concept that God is a father. You know, God the Son, we can grasp the concept of the Son. I mean, we've got movies, right? Hollywood has done a great job recently on on really delivering the truth of Jesus Christ and giving us a visual of his life and testament on this planet and what he did. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's like, we don't, he didn't get a lot of airtime. And and honestly, it's, two things happen whenever I begin to deliver a talk like this or any pastor. Whenever you mention the word Holy Spirit, the first thing is you get this pushback. It's like, oh, here we go, right? And I can kind of feel some of the pushback here this morning. It's like, you know, I, I'm pushing back. And a lot of times the reason you're pushing back is because many of, ha- many of us have these preconceived ideas or these misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is, the role he wants to play in our life. 
maybe because of something we saw on TV, maybe something we experienced, or maybe the way it was packaged in a certain way. And so because of that, we've started to associate things with the Holy Spirit that aren't even biblical. And so, so that's the first thing that happens whenever you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. The second thing that tends to happen is there's an intrigue. It's like, wow, I've never really heard there is a Holy Spirit. I'm kind of, kind of excited to learn something new. And, and so this problem not only exists today, but it existed in the Bible. And this is kind of where I want to start our journey today. Look at Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 2. Now, this is about 50 to 60 years after Christ died rose again and ascended to heaven. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So what is this saying? It's just basically saying there was one guy in Corinth, one guy in Ephesus, two cities. Both of these guys are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, there he found some. Who's he? This is Paul. He says, Paul found some disciples. In other words, he found a community of some people who were followers of Jesus Christ. And he asked them a question. He said, hey guys, after you surrendered your life to Jesus, look at this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And notice their response, like, no, like how could we? We, We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so here we are some 2,000 2000 years later and many of us have still never heard the good news about the Holy Spirit. And so this is why this is important. So here's my encouragement as we go through this journey today. My encouragement is, please, could, could, could we just take a moment and lay aside any preconceived ideas, any misperceptions, any things that we've heard, seen, maybe through the rumor mill of who or what we thought the Holy Spirit is, and allow me a blank page today and next Sunday over these next two weeks to really teach from God's word who the Holy Spirit is, why, and why he's important. Okay? And so first, let me tell you who he isn't, okay? The Holy Spirit is not weird, and the Holy Spirit is not crazy. My friends, I mean this in the most, like, life-giving way, but the only people that, like, the only thing that's weird or crazy is people, right? Okay? We live in broken humanity, and broken humanity can oftentimes package some things in some weird way. And in fact, I don't think people really have a problem with the Holy Spirit, especially once they come to know who he is and what the Bible teaches. You know, I just think people tend to have a problem with the packaging in which they've seen it come, okay? And so all I wanna encourage us today and over the next two weeks is please, let's not throw away all that God has for us just because we may have seen or experiencing something in a weird way, okay? Number two, the Holy Spirit is not an it and he's not a thing. He's a person, in fact, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a him, him. And here's the beauty of the fact that he's a person. See, when you begin to see the Holy Spirit as a person, then you begin to relate to him personally. And this is what God has wanted all along from the beginning of humanity is a relationship. And so who is the Holy Spirit? You ready for this? Write this down if you're taking notes. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. 
Now, I want to talk, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I don't want to assume anything here this morning. So, I, you know, I know that we do have people who have served the Lord for a long time and have studied the Word a lot longer than I have. We also know that we have people joining us online who are new to faith and maybe in the room who are new to faith. So my job as a pastor and really as a friend is just to come alongside to teach you. And so I don't want to assume anything. So some of this may sound elementary today, but bear with me as I try to lay a foundation. But God the Father is enthroned in heaven. Everybody say heaven. God the Father is enthroned in heaven, okay? Sin entered the world through humanity, the brokenness of Adam and Eve and their sin, and God was upset with that. He didn't like that because it separated him relationally from his people. And so God put a plan together to rescue us, to redeem us, and to break the curse of sin that entered humanity. And he broke the curse of sin by sending us his son, Jesus. Now, remember John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave. Who did he give? He gave his son, Jesus Christ, that anybody who believes in Jesus as the son of God won't die, but will live forever. In other words, our sins will be forgiven. Now, here's the thing. Jesus was sent from heaven. He's fully God, but he was also fully man. It's hard to comprehend. I get it. It's something that the Spirit of God will reveal to you in time as you begin to, you know, walk in faith with him. But the beauty is God's in heaven, enthroned in heaven. There's Jesus Christ, his son. God sends Jesus, fully God and fully man, to come to earth to pay for sin. So Jesus died. Jesus rose again. And ultimately, Jesus ascended back to the Father in which Scripture teaches us that Jesus is now currently seated at God's right hand. Well, then that leads me to believe, well, then who is on earth? If God is in heaven and Jesus is at his right hand, then what's the presence of God on earth today? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the active, living presence of God on the earth today. In fact, what we're going to show you from scripture here today is that Jesus actually spent 40 days on earth. Jesus died, rose again on the third day. He hung out on earth showing himself to the disciples and many other people, showing the proof of his resurrection. He spent 40 days on this planet and he spent a lot of time with the disciples in those 40 days. And amongst his conversation, what he told the disciples was this, Hey, it's better that I go to my Father and that I send you what God is promising, which is the Holy Spirit. Like, I need to go to the Father and I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone who can be present. And and what we're going to discover today through Scripture is that he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus ascends to the Father, the disciples go and wait 40 days, and then the rest is history. So we're going to dive into the deep end of the pool, but before I kind of go into some of this, I just want to tell you why we need the Holy Spirit and the role that he plays in our life, okay? So I want to clear the confusion. I want to bring some clarity today from God's Word. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? What's the role that he plays in our life? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit wants to be your inner, your holy inner voice. That's who he is to me. He is my holy inner voice. Look at John 16, verse 8. Jesus says this, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will do something unique in that he will speak as an inner voice and do what? He will convict you and the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, time out for a second. Let me clarify something. The devil is the only one who brings condemnation in our life. The devil is the one, when you've done something bad, he's the one that you're a horrible person. You're so unlovable. 
You're such a failure. Oh, you think God still loves you? Well, you can forget about that. You've done messed up way too many times. The devil brings condemnation, but God brings conviction. How? Through the Holy Spirit. And so this is kind of how it looks like. Basically, when you've done something stupid, God comes along and says, listen, I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. You're my child. And I want to help you overcome this to give you victory in the future. So the way this typically plays out as a holy inner voice in your life is, let's say, hey guys, you've had a bad day at work. You come home and you're ready to unleash all the toxicity that you've experienced at work onto your family. And as you pull into the driveway and you're about to get ready, get out of the car and just unleash your anxiety, your worry, your stress on your wife and on your kids, the Holy Spirit comes along and whispers in your inner soul and he says, hey, I know you've had a bad day, but I would take a deep breath in and breathe out and come to the place of just resting. You don't want to unleash all this on your family. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so when you're doing your taxes, getting ready to prepare your taxes, right? The Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, I know nobody's looking. I, think, yeah, I know you think you can get away with this, but I wouldn't cheat on your taxes. When you're alone, tired, worn out, and exhausted, the Holy Spirit will come along and say, hey, I wouldn't click that. The Holy Spirit comes along and he helps us, and he says, hey, I wouldn't do that. Why? Is he trying to keep us from fun? No, he's trying to keep us from death, and he's trying to lead us toward life and godliness. So he plays a role as our holy inner voice to help us. Number two, the Holy Spirit is what I just said. He's our helper. He's my helper, and my friends, he's the best counselor. He's the best encourager. He is the best helper you will ever have. Look at John 14, 26, just walking you through scripture of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He says, but the advocate, time out, this word advocate comes from a Greek word called parakaletos, okay? And it has a lot more meaning than we give it. And it simply means that the advocate is somebody who is called alongside us to help us. So Jesus is saying, hey, the advocate, the one who's called alongside us to help us, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what will he do? He will teach you. He'll help you in what? In all things. In your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, and what to do next. In every situation, he will help you, even in your weaknesses and in your strengths. He will help you. And I love this beauty. Look at this. And he will remind you. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, I've been serving the Lord going on 29 years this June, and I have yet to memorize the Bible, okay? Don't judge me. Don't leave me alone up here, all right? But I've read it from cover to cover, and I can't remember every chapter and every verse, but it's interesting when I'm doing life and I find myself in a situation, how all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will bring up in my spirit a verse. I may not remember, uh, remember it's Galatians 5, but I just might remember the context of what God is wanting to speak to me in and through of things that I've read before. He'll remind you of things, and he'll give you the ability to speak to people and to love people and to encourage people as, as well as encourage yourself with what you're going through. And this is, this is good preaching by the way, everybody. Amen. Third thing. So he's our holy inner voice. He's our helper. Here's the third thing. He's my guide. He's my God. In other words, he helps us with decision-making. 
I love this. In other words, when we're at the crossroads of life, man, and we're trying to figure out what to do next, like in our marriage, who should I marry, him or her, or in our marriage, should we have kids, should we not have kids, how should we raise our kids, like, in, like at the crossroads of life, no matter what you're going through in your marriage, God can help you through the Holy Spirit, help you with these decision makings. He can help you in your finances, like how in the world am I going to get out of debt? Guess what? God, being the provider that he is, can speak to you the wisdom from heaven through the Holy Spirit to give you some practical ways of how to get out of debt. He can teach you where you should invest, where you should not invest. When it comes to your career, whether you should make that job change or not, move across the country or not, if you're ready to retire or not, the Holy Spirit can come alongside you as a guide and help you in your decision making. And so look at John 16, 13. Jesus again, referring to the Holy Spirit, teaching you God's word. But when he, the spirit of truth regarding the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into what? Into all truth. In other words, he will lead you into life. And are you ready for this? He won't speak on his own. This is so cool, everybody. He will speak only what he hears from the throne room of heaven. From God the Father to God the Son to us through the Holy Spirit. And he will tell you what is yet to come. This is amazing. This is the God we serve. This is the Holy Spirit. It's so I can just take you back to 2017 when my wife and I were in prayer about planning a church. We didn't know where to go or where we were doing really honestly, but the Holy Spirit came alongside us as a holy inner voice, as a helper, as a teacher, and as a guide to guide us, guess where, to Idaho. And now look around this room. Look at the miracle that is God by simply being obedient and faithful to the Holy Spirit that spoke to us, all the community, all the relationships that are happening. It's an amazing thing. And I'm telling you, when people think you're crazy, they thought we were crazy. You're leaving everything to do what? Iowa. You're moving to Iowa? And that's somewhere in the country. No, no, I'm moving to Idaho, y'all. Look on a map. It's on the other side of the planet. I know. (laughs) And they thought we were nuts. I'm like, yeah, we might be nuts, but we're willing to take the risk. Why? Because we've heard the guidance of the Holy Spirit leading us. And to this day, it's still the best decision we've ever made. I look around this room and I see just family and friends and people and community that's happened. And it's so cool. To God be the glory. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to guide us. And here's number four. And this is my favorite. He's my friend. He's my friend. And he wants to be your friend too. Look at John 14, 16 through 17. Jesus, again, is speaking to his disciples and he says, and I will ask the Father who's in heaven And he will give you another advocate. That's the one who's called alongside to help and to support. And notice this. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. Which begs the question, why in the world would Jesus give this detail? Like, I think it's important sometimes to ask, like, why? Like, this is his role, but why is he telling this to his disciples? Well, I don't have the verse on the screen, but if you want an extra note take, you can write down John 16, verse 17. And what you'll see is this dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. And in this dialogue, Jesus is saying, hey guys, I'm about to die and I will rise again, but I've got to go to the Father. And they're like, what? Wait, hold on. Wait, you can't go anywhere, Jesus. We need you. Where you're going? He said, hey, like, there's going to be a time where you will be with me, but it's better... I'm like, that I go. And, and, and if I'm a disciple, I'm like, hey, Jesus, if you met us, it is not better that you go. We can't get this thing figured out on our own. We need your leadership. We need your guidance. And Jesus tells them in John 16, 17, he says, no, no, no. It's better that I go to the Father and that I send you the helper. 
And so you got to remember, why would he say this? Because Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man, which meant he couldn't be in two places at once. Now, don't get into semantics here. God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one. It's just an, a, a miracle that kind of blows our minds that the world doesn't understand. But once you've walked in faith with Christ, like the light bulb goes off and you, you get it even though you don't get it, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. But God the Father is in heaven, Jesus is at his right hand, and Jesus is saying, hey guys, it's better that I go and that we send you a helper that will be with you in and through everything, and that can be the active living presence of God across the universe, across the earth, wherever you go, will be with you. I'll never leave you. This is the friendship of God. It's He is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the active presence of God on the planet today who leads us into all truth. And so the beauty of this in our life is, for me, before every meeting, before every message, I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? Like, like where, should I go here? Should I not go here? Should I make this decision? Should I not make this decision? And guess what he does? He speaks to me through his holy inner voice. <laughs> he helps me. He reminds me of God's word and truth of what God's word says. He teaches me. He guides me. Why? Why does he do all this? Because he's my best friend. This is what best friends do. This is what great friends do. And Paul closes a letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And his blessing to the Corinthian church articulates the beauty and the role of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at how Paul describes it. It's so beautiful. He says, may the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And I just want you to know, this is my hope for you. See, I want you to experience the extravagant love of God, the Father, through his amazing grace of his son, Jesus Christ. But there's more. There's more. I also want you to experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if we're in conversation, I know, I know many of you in this room and online, you love God. You love Jesus so much. But when it comes to this topic of the Holy Spirit, you kind of keep it at arm's distance. Why? Because of misconceptions, misperceptions, and things you've seen or heard on the rumor mill, and you've just not allowed yourself to go there. And I just want to encourage you as a friend today, you're, you're missing out on the most intimate part of God. You're missing out. <laughs> In fact, you want to know something? Go a little bit deeper. It breaks God's heart that you're keeping him at a distance. Look at Ephesians 4.30. I love the message paraphrase of how it describes it. It says, friends, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. And you're thinking, how in the world would I do that, man? I love God. I love Jesus. How, How can I break his heart? By distancing yourself from the third person of the Trinity, the living active presence of God on the planet today, your intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Look, his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, this inner voice, the helper, the guide, the friend, is the most intimate part of your life. You ready for this? Making you fit for himself. What's it saying? He's saying it brings you closer and closer to Jesus. It makes you more and more like him. It takes you deeper into a relationship with God. And look at this. Don't take such a gift. Everybody say gift. Don't take such a gift for granted. My friends and family, the Holy Spirit is a gift. You ready for this? 
Not only is he gift to us to live in freedom every day, the Holy Spirit comes bearing gifts to us. Now that's where oftentimes you're like, whoa, whoa, here we go. You're starting to talk about gifts. You're going to start talking about this tongues thing, pastor. We'll talk about that next week. Did you know that tongues is only one of like nine different spiritual gifts that God brings? See, tongues gets a lot of attention. Why? Because it's hard to understand. Nobody gets it. It's never really been taught right. And so, but it's just one of, one of nine. One of nine. And so I'm going to teach you more about that next week. And if you're on the fence or you're thinking this is weird or crazy, come on. Come back next week and I'm going to show you a little bit more about the gifts that Holy Spirit comes bearing to you that are all good. By the way, every good and perfect gift comes down from the, from the Father. Okay. Holy Spirit is holy. Holy Spirit is not weird. Holy Spirit is a person. He comes as a helper, as an inner voice, as a guide, as a teacher, and as a best friend. This is the role that he plays, and he does come bearing some gifts. And so some of you are like, Pastor Red, I mean, I've really never heard it put this way, but I'm really intrigued. How do I experience the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit? Because I want that. Like, truth be told, we all want it. We do. So I'm going to teach us how in a moment. In fact, that's what this series is all about. But before I tell you how, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, okay? Before I tell you how, it's important that we all understand that there's another element to Scripture around what God wants to do in and through you, okay? So we're just going to kind of swerve a little bit. And at first, you're going to think, why are we going this direction? But it's important. We need to talk about this word baptism. Everybody say baptism. What is baptism? It simply means to be immersed in. If you'll put that on the screen, guys. To be immersed in. In other words, it doesn't just mean to submerge in water. It means to plunge into something, to be surrounded, to be covered, to be clothed, okay? And so when it comes to baptism, we all think of the one, which is water baptism, but you know, there's three baptisms on everybody's spiritual journey in faith of following Christ. And let me show it to you. Number one, it's baptism into Christ and his church. We are baptized into Christ and his church. In other words, extra note takers, write this off to the side, salvation, salvation. It's an immersion into a relationship with God the Father through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And when you profess faith and believe, not based on works so that no man would boast, but by simply receiving the grace gift of Jesus, when you do that, a miracle happens. This submersion, immersion, this baptism into a relationship with God happens, but another miracle happens, and then you're baptized into a relationship with this church. I don't know if you've ever been serving the Lord for a while. It's like, man, I'm closer to my church family than I am my own blood relatives. Like, what, what, how is that? It's because of the miracle that's taken place of this baptism into salvation, but also into his church family. And this is the first step in all of our spiritual journeys, by the way. And it's the most important. It's coming into a relationship with God. Let me give you two scriptures really quick to show you this. Galatians 3, 26 through 27. You are all children of God. In other words, it means you are a part of a family. How? Not on your own, but no, through faith and who? Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized, fully immersed into a relationship with Christ and God, you have done what? You have clothed yourselves with Christ. You've been baptized into salvation. Okay? Let me show you one more verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized. In other words, we were all immersed into a relationship with God by one spirit into one body. Now, this body is referring to the church. And if you'll read the New Testament, you'll see where Jesus always referred to his church as the body. And you look at Paul's letters, like everybody talks about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is referring to the church. So we've been immersed into salvation, into Christ through baptism 
and his church, first baptism. Second baptism, which many of us in this room know, and that is water baptism. In fact, I talked about water baptism about three or four weeks ago. Now, it is important to note really quick that water baptism isn't salvation. The reason I mention that is because some people teach that the only way you'll ever be saved is if you'll perform some kind of work and that is to do something in your flesh, and that is to be water baptized. And that goes against all the whole counsel of God. God's word says, no, no, salvation is a free gift. You can't do it by anything. You couldn't do it by earning it. You can't do it by some physical act of water baptism or any other act. It comes through faith and faith alone through Christ. So water baptism is a step, but it isn't salvation. Then what is it? It's simply a public declaration. It's a symbol of purification. It's a symbol of purification. And it is an important step in your spiritual journey, but you're still going to heaven if you, if you didn't get water baptized, okay? Because Jesus is the one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not water baptism, okay? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Let me give you two scriptures to back this up. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the, my Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message, this is referring to Peter's message um, on the day of Pentecost, to Peter's message about the good news of Jesus. Those who accepted the good news of Jesus, they put their faith in Christ. Look at their following example. They were baptized. They were water baptized. Number three, we're talking about baptism, right? There's a baptism into salvation. There's a baptism, right, of water baptism. And third baptism, it's important and it's bringing us back to the subject of the Holy Spirit. You ready for it? It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it can get a little confusing, okay? This is where it can confuse you. And so confusion, like is anywhere there's confusion, it's mean. So my job is to bring clarity because where there's clarity, there's kindness, okay? So I just want to walk you through some scripture today. And my hope is to bring some clarity between the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want to show it to you. Now, to help me lay this foundation, again, reminder, after Christ died, he rose again. He spent 40 days on this earth hanging out, showing himself to the disciples. Now, we see an account of this right here in John chapter 20, 19 through 22. Look at this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, Time out. I love this detail. Why are the disciples hiding out with the doors locked? Now, this is after Jesus has died, okay? They were afraid of who? The Jewish leaders. Why? Because up until this point, they were told that the tomb was empty. Now, the disciples had come. Even some of them saw that the tomb was empty. And there was rumor that Jesus was alive. But the disciples weren't buying it yet because they hadn't physically seen Jesus. And so, because the tomb was empty, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day thought it would be a great idea to make up a story to say, hey, let's just, let's just say the disciples came in the middle of the night and knocked out you know, like these Navy SEAL military people and just stole Jesus' body. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> these Roman guards, man, I mean, there were nothing to play with, right? But that was the lie that was created and they found out that basically there was a death warrant on the disciples at this point. So they just feared for their life. And again, they knew the tomb was empty, but they didn't know that Jesus was alive, although they'd heard rumor of it. And so until, look at this moment, <laughs> until Jesus blows up in there, walks through a locked door and st stands among them. 
and says what I hope he would say to every one of us. Look at the next verse. Peace be the journey, y'all. Peace be with you. Can I just take, like, take it out? Like, think about this for a moment. You're freaking out. Jesus Christ just walked through a door. Boom, appears. And he's like, peace be with you. Y'all, when you read the scripture, it, like, this is, this is hilarious to me. I think this is great that we get this detail because Jesus is basically, hey guys, it's going to be all right. I know you're freaking out because I just walked through a door, but I'm alive. I'm here. It's me. And after he said this, he showed him his hands and he showed him his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. And Jesus said, hey, again, one more time. I just want to calm you. Peace. Peace be with you. Look at the rest of the verse. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, notice the detail. He breathed on them and he said this, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is what I want you to see. The moment the disciples saw Jesus Christ, God's resurrected son, who they just saw three days earlier getting mutilated, humiliated, and crucified on a cross. Blood and everything, gore and all. When they see the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, in front of them, hands inside, my friends, their faith was built. And guess what happened in that moment? Their sins were forgiven. They came into a relationship with God, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, come on, Red. The, the disciples were hanging out with Jesus for three years. How could you say that this is when it happened? Are you ready for this? Well, Jesus hadn't paid for sins yet. Yes, they were hanging out. They were doing life. But Jesus hadn't fulfilled the promise and the prophecy of dying and rising again to break the curse of sin, to bring us into a relationship with God. It was at the point that he was resurrected and they saw for the first time their faith was built. And in that moment, their sin was forgiven. They came and were restored into a relationship with God and Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, what I want you to see is that the moment you and I come into a faith relationship with God, our sins are forgiven, we're in a relationship with God, and we receive the Holy Spirit. You need to know this. Why? Because some people don't teach this. And I'm just going to walk you through God's word. Look at Ephesians 1, 13, 14 to help kind of drive this point down a little bit. And you also were included in Christ when what? When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's Jesus. Look at the rest of the verse. And when you believed, so when you heard and when you believed, notice the miracle that happened. You were marked in him, who's him? Jesus, with what? With a seal. What is a seal? It's a certification of authenticity identifying who you belong to. What were you marked in him? In a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. When what? When you heard and when you believed, what happened? A miracle. You were marked in him with a seal. Who? The Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit at salvation. Who, which by the way, is a deposit. I love this. Guaranteeing our inheritance. In other words, it's a down payment that there is more to come. There's a down payment. More to come until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What's it saying? It's saying at the moment of salvation, when you hear, when you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's marked in your spirit and in your soul. It's a down payment. There's more to come. More to come. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3. For no one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You, can, you can't even profess faith in Christ unless it is by the Holy Spirit. 
This is good preaching. Amen. Is this helping anybody today? All right. It's the moment you come into relationship with God, you've received the Holy Spirit, but there's more. Now, remember John's account. We just read it. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive. Now, I'm going to show you the same exact story, but from another account, okay? I want to show it to you from Luke's account in 2436. Now, just a reminder, in the New Testament, the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four books are called the Gospels, or in other words, the good news about Jesus. All four of these guys hung out with Jesus. All four of these guys had, saw the same thing. However, all four of them had different perspectives, it's like I'm holding my hand up right now and everybody sees the lines in my hands and all this. But on my side of the story, what I see are wrinkles, right? A little bit of hair and some like fingernails. You don't see that, but we're all looking at the same hand. It's the same thing in the Gospels. It gives you a different perspective of the same story. So let's look at the same exact story where Jesus popped through a wall, said, hey guys, receive the Holy Spirit, right? Luke 24, 36 while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, said to them, peace be with you. Same story, different detail. Goes on, Luke 24, 49. Notice the future tense. Now remember John's gospel said, now receive, I'm gonna breathe on you. I'm breathing on you, the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49 doesn't give us that detail, but it gives us another detail, ready? The future tense. Now I'm going to send you, like I'm going, hadn't happened yet, but I'm gonna send you when my father has promised, but here's what I just need you to do. I just need you to stay in the city until you have been clothed. Now that word clothed is the same word for almost baptized. It's this field, it's this immersion, it's this covering, surrounding, being submersed until you have been clothed with power from on high. What's he saying? He's saying, hey guys, I know I just breathed on you and you received the Holy Spirit at the salvation moment, but you haven't been baptized into everything the Holy Spirit has for you. Not yet, there's more. Let me show you one more in Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. The same story, different details. Acts is the historical record of the first church. Look at this. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That's the look at my hands, look at my side. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Hey guys, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Wait for the gift, my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Same event, just another detail. Look at the rest of the verse. For John baptized with water, but in a few days. Again, notice future tense. Hasn't happened yet. You haven't received it yet. I know I just breathed on you and told you to receive it, but there's something more. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will have a full immersion experience with all that God has for you. <laughs> and by the way, that's exactly what happened. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. So Pastor Rhett, what are you saying? I'm basically saying that outside of putting your faith in Jesus, which by the way is the most important decision you can ever make, is putting your faith in God's one and only Son as Savior of the world to forgive you of your sins and to bring you into a relationship with God. Outside of that decision, one of the most important decisions that you can make to live in freedom in your soul, in your emotions, in your spirit, in your marriage, and in this world to make a difference, the most important decision, my friends, is not just receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation, but going a step further and being baptized and fully immersed into everything the third person of the Trinity has to offer you. And let's just be honest for a moment. We have all submerged ourselves into some things in this world, have we not? 
We've all looked for love. We've all looked for joy. We've all looked for peace. We've all looked for purpose. We've all looked for fulfillment. We've all looked for power. We've all looked for these things in the world, and the world has left us wanting and wanting and wanting, and it has never satisfied us. Not once. It may quench it for a moment, but the minute that moment is over, you're like, I need more of whatever it is I don't know that I need. And so this is why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine. Time out. <laughs> don't get caught up on this wine part. Jesus isn't picking, up, picking on wine, everybody, okay? He's just giving us an example. He's saying, don't be immersed in the things of this world. God's saying, look, I know you're looking for the supernatural. I know you're looking for the things that feel good. I know you're looking for pleasure. I designed you that way. In fact, I have it for you. But it doesn't come the world's way, which leads to debauchery and reckless living. Instead, there's a better way. Instead, do what? Be filled, be immersed, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And many of us have tried filling our lives with all the wrong things. And I'm just saying today is the day and now is the time to begin to fill it with the right thing. <clears throat> to begin to take a step on your spiritual journey to be fully immersed and to experience the intimate friendship of the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why? Why? Because he produces what you and I have been looking for this whole time. Look at Galatians 5, through 23. The Holy Spirit, what does he produce in our lives? <laughs> The fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. All the things we can't do in and of ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit as the living, active presence of God on this planet, living in us, breathing in us, making us more like Christ and leading us, our holy inner voice, our teacher, our helper, our guide, and our best friend, leading in creating these things in us that we could never create in ourselves in the first place. You ready? There's more though. There's more than just this. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you'll also receive power. Everybody say power. power. You'll receive power when what? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power to do what? To make a difference with your life. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the Treasure Valley, and in all Judea, Idaho, and Samaria, the nation, and to the ends of the world. You'll receive the power of the Holy Inner Voice. You'll receive the power of the helper who will come alongside. You'll receive the power of a guide who will guide you into all truth. And you'll receive the power of a friend who will never leave you. So, so Pastor Red, I want this power. I want to make a difference in my life. I, want to, I truly want to be able to live out this love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and even get me in on the gifts, even though I don't know all about it yet. I, I know that all good things come from God. And if the Holy Spirit is a gift and he comes bearing gifts, I want it. Bring it on. What do I do? What's next? Two things. Number one. For some of you, you need to remove all the barriers. What do I mean? What's a barrier? A barrier is a thing that's holding you back. A barrier could be doubt. It could be fear. It could be a misconception. It could be something you heard through the rumor mill, something you believed or thought about the Holy Spirit that really doesn't even align to Scripture after you've seen it today. But honestly, the greatest barrier in all of our lives is one word, is sin. Is sin. So how do we remove these barriers? How do we remove the sin? Well, ultimately, only Christ can do that. But here's a good prayer to get you started. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. David said, search me. 
Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In other words, God, I give you permission. If there's anything in my life that stands before me and you, if it's sin, if it's a thought, whatever it is, an attitude, a misunderstanding, God, I give it to you and help me, God, get rid of it. Because I want all of you. I need you. This is why Peter was even asked the same question. And here's his response. Acts 2, 38 through 39. Peter said, hey guys, you want to know what's next? Repent. Course correct. Change direction. Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Repent and do what? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Why? 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 Because if you'll remove the barrier, if you'll allow Christ to remove the barrier from your life through his grace and his grace alone by simply believing, if you'll turn to God, look at the rest of the verse, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized. You'll have this full immersion experience. Well, Pastor Rhett, I mean, I was always taught this is just for the disciples. Well, whoever taught you that didn't read the next verse to you. Look at the next verse. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. In other words, it's not only for this generation, but the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, and so forth. It's for all. That's you and me, everybody, in 2022, whom the Lord our God will call. God wants all of us to not only receive his Holy Spirit, but be to baptize into his Holy Spirit. So once you remove the barrier, what's next? Number two, and we'll get ready to close. Here it is. Ask God to baptize you and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How? Same way you received salvation. You didn't do anything. You just believed. You just received it. When you took your next step of water baptism, you did it by faith. You took a step and God met you there. How do you receive the baptism into the Holy Spirit of the third person of the Trinity to live in freedom every day? You ask and you receive. How? By faith. What is faith? It's 100% confidence and trust in God. So I just want to encourage you to ask, receive, and to be baptized today. Why? Because of this last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Holy Spirit is, where He dwells, notice this, there's freedom. There's freedom in your soul. Y'all, when I was 16 years old, I was desperate for God. I came into a church much like this. I gave my heart to God. God forgave me of my sins. I began to experience the miracle of salvation. My pastor taught me what I'm preaching you, to you today. And I was like, I'm in. I want to experience all that God has for me. And by faith, I said, God, I just, I ask you to baptize me. I know I've received your Holy Spirit, but now I'm just asking for this full immersion experience. And I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Nothing weird, crazy happened, but a miracle happened on the inside. God began to develop gifts in me that I never had before. And the gifts are things I'll talk about next week. Gifts like words of knowledge, like being able to know things that you didn't know before that God would show you. It's amazing, just wonderful, wonderful things. And so I asked God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And my friends, all I want to say is if you want freedom in your soul, in the deepest part of you that makes you who you are, if you want freedom there, then ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and receive it by faith. Receive the immersion of his power.
Receive the immersion of his voice speaking to you. Receive the immersion of his help. Receive the immersion of his guidance. Receive the immersion of his intimate friendship and ultimately receive the immersion of his gifts. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, I wanna pray for you. God, I recognize that your presence is in this room today through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we welcome your Holy Spirit to do what you do best. And that's the move in every heart and every life today. There are many of you in this room who wanna take that next step to ask God to baptize you and you wanna receive it by faith. And we're gonna get to that in a moment. But before we do, there are some of you in this room and joining us online who you've never come into a relationship with God and you know it. And it starts there. And I wanna encourage us before we get into the Holy Spirit part, I wanna encourage you to start with removing the barrier of sin. You can't do it, but God can. How? By simply receiving the free gift of Jesus Christ. So that's what I wanna lead you in today. I wanna lead you into a prayer. And by the way, it's not about the words. It's just simply about your heart connecting with God. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to come down front. I'm not gonna do anything that would embarrass you. I promise you. But I would like to pray for you and to lead you in a prayer. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Ed, I wanna, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus and come into a relationship with God and my sins to be forgiven. If that's you, would you say a prayer like this? Come on, family, we're a church family. We pray together. Say a prayer like this. Say, God, thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died and he rose again to pay for my sin, to bring me into a relationship with you. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I give you my life because you gave me yours. I surrender everything in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you just said that prayer for the first time, congratulations. You've just received the Holy Spirit breathing in your life. And there are many of you in this room, you've received the Holy Spirit, but you have yet to take a next step to being baptized into a full immersion experience with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to simply lead you into a prayer. Nothing weird is going to happen, y'all, okay? You're just going to say a prayer. That's it. And I want to lead you in this prayer if that's the step you feel that you want to take today. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you in a prayer. Pray something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I am a believer. I'm your child. And you are my father. Jesus is my Lord. I believe with all my heart that your word is true. Your word says that if I will ask, I will receive. So in the name of Jesus, my Lord, I'm asking you to fill me, to baptize me, to immerse me, to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit. Because of your word, I believe and I fully expect to receive all that you have for me. And I thank you for it. I believe the Holy Spirit is with me. And by faith, I accept him and receive him. Now, Holy Spirit, I release your good gifts in my life today. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, could I just encourage you, if you're comfortable, just put your hands out in this receiving position. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work that you're doing in every heart and every life. I think that you are now breathing and that you are now imparting, Father God, the good gifts that you come bearing into this full immersion of baptism into the third person, the Trinity of the Holy, Holy God. 
And so, God, I just thank you that you are baptizing now in a full immersion experience of your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your goodness, your kindness, your self-control, and the Spirit of God that is alive in their heart today, continuing to lead them and to fill them every day of their life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together this morning and celebrate with those who made decision? Amen. Hey, church, I'm proud of you. Congratulations.